Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking Killing killing Me. me. (laughs) Why do we never do that together? (laughs) That time I kind of tried to get you off. What the fuck? I'm Rainy. I'm Corinne. And thank you all for tuning in. Yeah. So it's officially November. Yeah. Because October was our most successful month of the podcast, like downloads and listens. Oh, was so it? Yeah. So season three, put your mic close to your face. <laughs> <laughs> um, October, the first month of season three has been our most successful listens and downloads. And that feels awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Caps locks. Thank you. God, we're really bad at thank yous, but just like we handle it like British people. We're just like, ah, stop. <laughs> Um, okay, for all those dancers and choreographers out there, we do want to let you know that there will be an open meeting on November 8th at 10 a.m. at Trinity St. Paul United Church, and it is a choreographer's network meeting. So, everybody, if you want to talk about dance and choreographing and everything, um, go to it. <laughs> There's a choreographer's meeting. That's where I'm going to cut you off. (laughs) (laughs) This week, Taylor Oaks. Yes. Here we go. Hi, my name is Taylor Oaks, and I'm a photographer specializing in fitness, erotic, and kink content in Toronto. Also, like, hilarious that you did two podcasts, like, right in a row. Yeah, uh, it's all just kind of, like, come up as of recently. Like, you guys reached out first, but we scheduled last, and then I had a couple other blips. I'm like, can you smell it? Like, uh, what's... Interesting. Yeah, or is this just, like, universal? I think it's because you said yes on your Instagram, and you have quite a large following on your Instagram, maybe. You said yes? What do you mean? So, (laughs) I, like, selfishly, she put out, like, a call to, like, ask me a question on my Instagram, and I was like would you do my podcast or something yeah. like that? Okay. And yeah, then she like video answered with like, maybe. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah. 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 Uh, I guess that's where it would come from. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's it. And then everyone's just like, let's book. That's true. I never expect anything to come from Instagram. Cause I'm like, cool. 10,000 of you are there, but I'm shadow banned to eternity. So like right. two of you see this. Mm. Oh yeah. Are you talking about like, Sorry, what shadow bands? What is it? Shadow bands are when you've done something where Instagram is just not into it. So in my case, it's been a lot of like partial nudity or implied nudity. And so as a result, uh, your content doesn't get served to new people. You won't appear in the Explorer feed. You won't appear uh, under hashtags. And if you want to tag me in anything, you have to type out my entire handle down to the last letter. Otherwise, I don't appear. And so they just basically try and like stifle your marketing. How, and did you know that that they send you a warning? They don't send you a warning, but when you have content taken down that goes against their community guidelines or whatever the fuck they say. Oh, sorry. Can I swear by the way? Yes. Okay. Um, so yeah, like when you have something that goes against their terms and services and you get that notification nine times out of 10, you're getting hit with a shadow ban. And if you perpetuate it or if you continue to have content taken down, they make it longer. And mm. back in September, I was also in New York and I was uh, taking a, an erotic photography workshop mm-hmm. and I posted two things in a row that got taken down one after another. And since then, my engagement's just been in the toilet. How is that possible when like you can literally have pre- like show live pregnancies on Instagram? Right. Uh, it's because they don't want small business to be doing things like this. There's also like a lot of caveats around showing mastectomy photos, showing breastfeeding photos, things like that, that are supposed to be like natural and human evolution. Not that yeah. our body isn't, but that's their yeah. definition. Right. Um, and it's just bots crawling it at this point saying like, boob, get rid of it. Really? Yeah, totally. 
I didn't know that that was like a thing that existed. So if you can't, if you have to like write somebody's full handle and that probably means that they've had a shadow band against them. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. If they don't show up in hashtags, if they don't show up. Yeah. They that's, try and make you invisible crazy. without just kicking you off. Yeah. They want in and they also want you to pay to play. And so like, there's some conspiracy theories around the idea that like, if you're not, if you don't have content that you can put money behind to promote, because it yeah. again, doesn't go behind their terms and services. They're like, you're kind of a useless user to us. So mm. what do we care about you? So how do you like get around that with like what your art is? Um, right now I'm kind of looking into deviating into other channels. Cause I feel like after I've been hit with a couple of these bands, now the notifications that I'm getting are you're up for deletion. And oh. so, yeah, and I've had a few of those. So I'm like, ooh, I probably can't afford more than one. I like yeah. one more. Um, so a lot of the way in which I market myself is through a sex-positive photography collective called Do More, Wear Less. Okay. And they run everything through a private Facebook group. So I do a lot of, like, closed-chain marketing there for my workshops. That's who runs mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, I need to get my ass in gear for Patreon. So that's my November plan is to migrate platforms. I'm slowly starting to play with Twitter and pretending like it doesn't make me feel like a dinosaur. Um, and just trying to diversify the platform so that when one bottom drops out, it's not the only one that I've got. Right. Yeah. Um, and then word of mouth is really strong for marketing. So I do, I do a lot of local, I do a lot of just like networking in those communities so that it's not my only, it's not my only mainline. Mm-hmm. Can we get like specific about what it was that they like took photos down or like what sure. it was? Because yeah, uh, the two things most recently there've been a ton. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's ju- it's been as simple as just like a fine art nude from far away and like butt crack, no like no toplessness, no nipples, no nothing. Um, so like every Instagram models yep. post in bikinis. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, um, but cool, this cool. time what it was cool, 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 cool. So Instagram. I see you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just like okay, these ones make more money. That's we'll pay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was two story posts. One was me in the float tank and I had censored myself, but not super aggressively. So like you could still see the shapes of my shape of my breast. You could see that like it's going down into a groin and that got flagged immediately, even though I've done that quite a few times. Uh, and then the second one, I like, I knew I was playing with fire. Um, <laughs> at this erotic workshop, um, a lot of it was about like how to shoot penetration and like how to like how to like really get there yeah and so there was this model that was self-pleasuring herself and so I shot a like burst and I made a gif yeah and I censored the gif but you could still see like the motion from from her knuckles without actually seeing anything happen and so that got taken down I was like I deserve that one but the other one I I was like (laughs) yeah how are you how do you really know what's going on here yeah how do you gauge what's appropriate and what's not and it's like they're trying to curate, but this is the thing that it's all bots, right? It's not actually a human person looking at something. It is all algorithms and it's all done electronically. So they just make these wide sweeping assumptions and then reference it to what's going to make them money and what's not going to make them money. Yeah. And then the only human intervention there is if someone is actually reporting you. So I do kind of have my own theories. I'm like, is my family going through and reporting me? Because like there are some people that are like not super into what I do. And Mm -hmm. like, I I could see some shitbags deciding to like not, or not understand how big of a ramification this could be. That it's not just me on social media. This is my business. This is marketing for me. Um, but yeah, I could see like shit disturbers doing that too. Oh my God. That's so crazy. (laughs) I, yeah, I, I always assumed that if something got taken down, it's because 
people would have had to report it. It's a mix of both because sometimes yeah. things are taken down immediately. Uh, and what I'm having happen now uh, is older content is being taken down. And I'm like, there's no way people are scrolling back to 2017. This is a bot that's scrubbing through and saying like, this looks like a breast. This looks like a nipple. This is a full butt. Now they don't allow contact. So if you have like a hand bra or if it looks like you're masturbating or if it looks like you're touching someone sexually, that's not allowed either. So you can't have like aggressive oh. hands. Are we going to get <laughs> we have, like pictures of us like holding our boobs like that on Instagram? We're like, are we going to get kicked off Instagram? You'll get a couple warnings first. Yeah. 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 That's so, but then are we going to be shadow boxed? I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued, very intrigued by all of this. Um, can we go back to how like some of your family doesn't agree with sure. your art and how do you like, can you talk a little bit about when you first introduced it to them and what were you like kind of stepping on eggshells? Um, at first, like when I first got into content, uh, I was working in weddings for a minute until I was like, I will become suicidal way earlier in life if I stay with this. <laughs> uh, and it's making me hate love. So I transitioned into shooting boudoir and I was still doing it in like a studio setting. So I was doing it through other companies and that was all well and good. And it was like pretty PG, just like full teeth smiles, like little butt pops and whatever, yeah. like cute lingerie. Um, and then I transitioned into a job where I was shooting predominantly fitness. Uh, I was working for body rock TV. I'm not sure if either one of you know what that is, but it's like the Canadian answer to beach body at home based workouts. And they had like decently sexy marketing material. And so I kind of started like blending those worlds of like, okay, I already shot like a little bit of the sexy stuff. Now let's shoot like the sexy fitness stuff. Right. And so then that came together. And when I quit that job, I thought that I was going to stay that route and continue shooting fitness and just kind of like go more of the commercial route. Mm -hmm. I quickly learned that like that world didn't really like me and I didn't like it just as much. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I always had this collective do more, wear less kind of in my back pocket. And I had modeled for them occasionally for workshops. Cause I, uh, at the time didn't have a lot of money to spend on photography education, but I very quickly learned, I'm like, Oh, there's a lot of amazing photographers out there that will give me free information in exchange for me getting naked for them in this platonic way and letting them take photos of me. And it ended up being like a really great exchange. I've met some of my like best mentors that I still keep to this mm -hmm. day in that way. And I've only had like a couple shady experiences. And, uh, <laughs> I started going forward with that. And it was when I flew out to actually Calgary to do the first workshop with do more where I saw the way that they started operating their business, which at the time they, which was probably 2013, they were the only ones doing this type of aggressive work where it wasn't meant to be boudoir. It was meant to make you think about sex. It was meant to make you think about pleasure and like this, like raw emotion that mm -hmm. we have with it. And it was just such a positive experience that it started influencing me a little bit more and a little bit more. And so I started getting involved with them more and I started shooting a little bit more and I started modeling for other photographers in the group. And then eventually like with any art, like your subconscious just starts projecting shit onto it. And slowly <laughs> my fitness stuff started becoming more sexual and just because of the nature of my sexuality became kinky mm. and it just started coming through a little bit more and a little bit more to the point that uh, last year, this collective asked me to teach a series of workshops on shooting erotica and shooting kind of like kink concepts. And that was the time at which I had to sell my own seats for the workshops. So I had to market myself and I had mm -hmm. to market myself very clearly as to what I was selling. Right. Right. And so I had to kind of come out to them and I was like, okay, like, you know that I'd get naked in the woods. Now I'm going to shoot people getting choked consensually and being tied up and I'm going to teach this because I do a lot of it and you just right. don't know about that. Mm -hmm. um, and then mm -hmm. it kind of became this 
wall between us where they knew it was happening. They knew it was like a pretty big step in my business. It was like a, a different experience for me. It was also a different chunk of change and it was not something we were going to talk about. Wow. So it started to drift a little bit more. And then after those workshops, my clientele obviously started to shift to cater more towards that. And now it's just become this like very distant thing where we don't really talk about what I do anymore. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Are you okay with not talking about it or would you? I understand it. They mm-hmm. both or they come from kind of like uppity white upper middle class families where I'm like, you're, the information that's in your head is very suburban and is very narrow because your experiences have been somewhat narrow. And so they never lived in a big city. They never really did these kinds of things. And so I understand that there's going to be a limit to that. Yeah. I would like there to be a little bit more open communication. Cause I know that they do like, they fear for me. They look at me and they're like, I was like, do you, you, do you trust me that I'm not doing sex work? Do you think that I am like, do you understand right. where this really falls or is all of this just super pornographic to you? Yeah. Um, but we don't have that type of relationship to have that discussion. Right. Mm-hmm. Also sex work in Canada is, is looked upon so differently than like when I was in Australia this summer, I didn't realize that sex work in Canada is illegal. Right? Is, am I wrong? Or is that right? Full service sex work, I believe. Yeah. 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 Whereas in Australia, it's like fully legal. Legal. And they like talk about it on like basically like NPR and like CBC and stuff like that. And I didn't, I don't think I realized that sex work in Canada was, had this like kind of shadow around it or like this cloud of like, I don't know. I just kind of thought that in Canada, we were a bit more open to that than I realized we actually are not. No, uh, like even our online platforms, right? If I'm getting hit on Instagram, you've got the sex workers that are just getting shut down left, right and center on Patreon, right. on Twitter. Mm-hmm. They're like losing yeah. all of their revenue streams. Right. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know. It's weird to me. It's also like, it's interesting because there's also like sex work and then there's, you're adding another layer on top of it by being kink. Yes. Yeah. Which is like very hard for a lot of people to grasp. Absolutely. Because they're like, oh, it can't just be this thing that you like because you enjoy it. It has all these negative connotations. Oh, you know? totally. Yeah. I actually, it was one of those photos that I got into a public fight with a family member online, which I was like, I think this is like maybe the ugliest thing I've ever engaged in, but it was not me who instigated it. But I posted a photo of a model in Shibari and we happened to be like dousing her in water. We're like, ah, oh, it's going to add an effect. And this, this person in my family just came out and was like, this is disgusting. Your parents don't deserve this. Get this off the internet. I can't believe you would push this trash. I was just like, Oh Whoa. wow. Like, oh not only do you like not say this, but like verbally outwards, like what's, what's the benefit? And it was like a public comment. Oh yeah. It was a public comment, like right on my, my Facebook profile. So like your business, Yep. You're right on your business profile. Yeah. yeah. And thankfully I have enough other people that have more open minds that came to my defense there and clients and other networks that mm-hmm. s- spoke up against it. But it was like, Oh, this is, yeah, those are definitely mindsets that still exist. People right. think it's violent. They think it's non-consensual. Right. Like, right. Yeah. I was like, yeah, the photo that comes after this is her laughing hysterically and us like helping her out of this, but sure. Whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This, the photos, the behind the scenes photos that you didn't see. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much of that relationship, like, how would you like to, like, how much of the relationship or, like, how much about your career would you like to talk to, like, your family members about and to your parents about? Um, Like, would you just, like, 
do you just want them there to like hear about like if you had a bad day or if you had a great day or if you accomplished something that's really good in your career or I guess probably the accomplishments because that's where it has felt like it's lacked where we can't celebrate anything together and at the same time we can't really talk about the struggles um mm-hmm. me also going freelance when I quit that job they were kind of like so what do you, what does that mean what will you do now how mm-hmm. will you live and I went through a period where it was like a total life table flip where I like I quit my job, I left my partner, I moved cities, came back here, and all of a sudden I was like holy shit my expenses are way more than I was ready for. Mm-hmm. And I turned to them and I was like can I just like can I just freak out for a minute? Can you just like hold space and like have this conversation? Mm-hmm. And I was like I don't know what I'm going to do for money, like I don't know how I'm going to do this, blah blah blah. I just rented this place, I just rented the studio, I don't know if I can afford it. And their response was pretty much like you better make some more money. <laughs> like okay. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> and I just wish there could yeah. I don't want there to be an offer of like we'll bail you out, but just like yeah, that sucks. I'm I'm sorry to hear that. Just any sort of like mm-hmm. human connection around that shared experience. Yeah. Right. Um I think I would like that. It's really hard when I find family members and parents not only do they not understand what you do, but that they just constantly try to fix something. Yeah. They're constantly like are you working enough? Yeah. Should you get another job? How are you like yeah. I'm like, cool. Just like, don't just listen. I was like, you, I already have these thoughts. You yeah, don't need to time. give me these thoughts as well. Yeah. It's like, but let's talk about them constructively. No. Okay. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you talk about bringing these, um, or not you bringing, but like the models that are coming in and how you shoot them, mm-hmm. how do you facilitate an environment for them that makes them comfortable and is safe? I try and speak, uh, I'm very careful about my verbiage Mm -hmm. and try and be as clinical as possible. Uh, I try and think about set and setting. And so like anytime I'm taking people into a vulnerable space, I kind of treat it like you're going to have like a drug experience. You're going to have a a trip where, Mm -hmm. where you are is just as important as what you're going through. And so making sure that they actually feel safe, that things are warm. If we can't keep them warm, that warmth is nearby, that there's not other people, more people there that don't need to be there. Um, and that we have an ongoing sense of communication and that like I I step into the power role pretty much right away and I stay there for it so that I'm maintaining that contact with them I'm constantly in communication with them like they're never left to think what's going on where are you what's kind of what's happening Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it allows their guard to come down it allows them to feel a little bit safer in the space Mm -hmm. is that uh, role something you've learned over time yeah, um, it's it's something that I kind of accidentally stepped into when I was shooting fitness. I was always in front of these people that had crazy bodies that almost made no sense, and I was expecting their egos to match that. Mm-hmm. But in reality, I was meeting the most fragile people I had ever encountered to the point that some models I couldn't shoot them from certain angles, or if I said something wrong, they would just burst into tears. Oh God! And and there was quite an age divide at the time because I was quite young in this job, and so there's like when there's ten years between you and then you're still in the power position it creates that kind of that weird dynamic Mm -hmm. but then so I would sit back and be like well you're you're older you're more experienced like you're gonna step up and then it just wouldn't happen right and so the more that I had these like really really fragile people in front of me I, I realized I was like I have to protect your emotions before we start shooting while we're shooting after we're shooting once you've seen the content the way in which I deliver it to you has to keep all of this in mind otherwise you're gonna say no to it and we're gonna have to throw it away or you're gonna pitch a fit and next time I have to do this you're gonna be a miserable cunt mm. and so it kind of became about like okay coddling what is this it's really about like seeing the most vulnerable side of someone and how do I facilitate that just like 
pillows and softness everywhere. (laughs) And then it kind of spiraled over. And then the language that I use came from a combination of yoga and kink and being in the sex positive community. If you ever speak to people that are polyamorous or have open relationships, they have to have such a value placed on open communication because otherwise people can get seriously hurt. And so just having that different type of verbiage, understanding what it's like to have ongoing confirmed consent and how much that can mean to someone, even in simple ways of like, can I approach you? Can I step to your left? Do you mind if I touch your hair? And all of those things that really like reinforce the safety over and over again. And then the cueing that comes from yoga where I can cue every single part of your body where you don't have to look at me. You don't have to think about it too much. It becomes a little bit more of a sensory experience Mm -hmm. versus like go over there and look sexy. And the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's not helping. (laughs) anybody because one person's sexy might be another person's not exactly and if you have no experience you're just gonna do like the scene in talladega nights where will ferrell's like hands slowly start to drift off from the side of the camera he's like this just feels comfortable this feels natural this is nice for me yeah yeah that's what i think where i'm like to do anything else and they're like this this feels great (laughs) this feels amazing i mean we thought i mean we talk a lot about in like in dance and our work and how to like, there's so much talk around safe spaces right now mm-hmm. with bodies and, um, it's hard mm-hmm. and not that it's hard because it's like uncomfortable. It's just like hard because you don't know how people are going to feel, how people are going to like take something. And it's also hard because trying to be overly sensitive also like hinders the experience sometimes. Absolutely. Cause yeah, you can yeah. feel hesitation just as much as you can feel aggression. And when right. you're kind of doing this back and forth of yeah. something where you have to commit, like you have to put your weight into it. You have to put your effort into yeah. it. Then you're like, am I doing something wrong? And you get in your own head. Right. And yeah, I can totally appreciate that. What style of dance are you mostly in? We do, I mean, contemporary dance is what we mostly do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep. um, if Corinne's okay with me answering that for her. Um, <laughs> but we also do everything else yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. But that's our like main, main focus. But I'm working under like the umbrella of academia right now. Mm. So I'm working a lot with university students. So, and like university students that haven't left and had their own experiences outside or haven't been like manipulated by a male choreographer or a female choreographer and, um, I think that it, it's just really hard to like educate them to mm-hmm. make them feel comfortable because they're already under a lot of stress, but it's also very hard to be like, okay, but we need to also like keep going in the work. <laughs> so I think yeah. it's because it's not like a public, it's not like I'm a choreographer and I'm paying you. There's like a, it's, there's no transaction mm. besides like them being under an umbrella of the university. It's sometimes like challenging to negotiate where that that relationship and like there is a bit of like yeah which was just my hands going everywhere (laughs) (laughs) right no visual can see that there's like yeah there's the push and pull isn't always it's like contact improv you know sometimes it's just not working yeah 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 i think about that quite a lot in terms of the academic route world right now is like teachers have their hands both hands tied behind their back Mm -hmm. how do you influence someone how do you actually be an authority or be a power figure in someone's life when you have so many people saying you can't say this you can't do this you can't look at them in this way you can't touch them you can't do anything Mm -hmm. that actually elicits a connection Mm -hmm. be stoic but at the same time deliver your information at the same time be this figure of support it's like how especially when there's a gender divide or an age divide or anything of that nature how yeah. How? And it, it's very challenging because I'm, I am a teacher for them, but I'm also a 
students as well still under the department. So I have to like ride this wave of being like authoritative, but also being like, da, 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 da. like also like, who am I to like tell you what your fucking grade is? I'm not getting paid for this bullshit. You know, like <laughs> it's like, how do you, how do I like ride this wave of yeah, being authoritative and also being fun uncle, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So I think it can be really challenging when, when you were modeling, like what was your experience? Was there, cause you talked a little bit about there being a couple of shady experiences and you don't have to talk about those directly, but can you think about like language that you would really be like, shut, shut you down? Totally. Uh, when someone is saying more than just how like the image composition is going on. Someone's commenting on like, Oh, you're like, that looks really good. Or like using names like baby or Mm -hmm. saying like, that's really sexy. That's really hot. And like, this is usually coming from men. Um, but I've also found experiences with female photographers where it doesn't feel like they're crossing a line in terms of inappropriateness, but just that their verbiage where, I would hear other photographers that are in this similar community say things like if they wanted like a woman to touch their chest or grab their breast, be like, grab them titties. I'm like, right? Like that's my exact reaction is just like full recoil. Like my butthole couldn't be tighter. (laughs) I was just like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not in that circle of people that would respond to that kind of language, but then like making fun of sexuality, but asking them to still be sexual. I'm like, I don't understand that combination of things. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, most, mostly my experiences have been positive and I would say that like, maybe it's because I have a bit of a skill of like, I, I don't have patience for mouth breathers. I don't really have patience for people. So if I'm going to give my time to someone, I'm like going to smell it out for a while and be like, okay, I feel like this is a good bet. Mm -hmm. And so usually that has led me down a good road and then you get reference from reference from this person is good. So this person is good. And so Mm -hmm. that kind of snowballs and staying within that community that is moderated mostly by women, uh, that is led by a woman. And they have a lot of rules in place for, if you're going to be a shit bag, we're going to make sure everybody knows about it. Right. So I stayed within that network for a long time. Um, and that really kept me safe. The shady experiences that I had were my ignorance, uh, my youth, and stepping into shoots where I didn't feel like I had the power to say no. Not like I felt like I was in danger or like I couldn't leave, but you're just in that position where someone is so much more of an authority than you. And they're saying, okay, we are going to do this now. Mm-hmm. And you have all the power to say like, no, I don't want to do that. But you don't, you're, you don't like, no. especially with women, we're uh, like inherently going to be a little bit submissive and say like, Oh yeah, I guess we are yeah. going to do that. That's it. That's how this goes. Right. Um, and that has changed the way that I use my verbiage as well, where having a pre-consult with someone helps me determine like what they're comfortable with, what they're not sure if they're comfortable with, but it allows me to know like, okay, these are the lines that I can, these are the lines that I can push a little bit. These are the mm-hmm. areas you want to go with assistance. Here's where I don't fucking touch and I don't talk about it. But almost kind of like mirroring that sleazy behavior of saying like, okay, I'm going to manifest this. You've said you want to do this. You predetermined that this is of interest. So we talk about when we do this, not Mm -hmm. if we do this and Mm -hmm. kind of use that language on its head to say like, no, we, we already got here. So like, as long as you feel comfortable, we're going to keep going forward. Right. But in an environment that is safer versus just surprise. Now it's, now it's here. Now we're doing this. Right. Like take your underwear off. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I feel like a lot of like art artists have started practicing and not started practicing, but I feel like a lot of art have just taken from improv and the idea that it's always yes. And, mm-hmm. or like the choreographers or like 
like we talked about with Fran Shudnoff when she was here, like um, directors of studios being like, always say yes. Or like models always being like, yes, of course. And I don't know if that is something, I mean, for improv, that makes sense because you're like pushing a storyline further and you're like going into the, the improv. But also everybody knows that game before they step into it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's also, I think with what we were talking about over the weekend with like physical theater and stuff like that. Everybody knows what they're walking into. Right. I know that the performers are going to be all around me. I know I'm walking into a space where certain things are going to be expected. Right. Especially like in in immersive work. Right. And if not all the information is given to them off the front, then that's where you run into trouble. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's just setting expectations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I think I was talking about more from like an educational, like how we teach artists lately and how like it's, we are always teaching like actors to say yes or dancers to say mm-hmm. yes or models always have to say yes because they're not going to book any more gigs. Right. Yeah. right. Um, and then that's a ma- manipulation though. Totally. Yeah. 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 And I'm just like wondering like what the solution to that is. And if we, do we not teach that? Is that something we should stop encouraging? I don't know. I think there's always a tipping point, right? Because yeah. you like with free, any, any freelance work, it, it's momentum that's going to keep you going and keep you fed. Mm-hmm. And you do have that low level anxiety of like, if I say no, am I going to get anything else? Am I ever going to be booked again? Totally. Right. Um, and I think what's really missing there is artists and freelancing artists don't have business skills unless they have developed it separately. They don't have that built in backbone unless by some chance they've had exposure to it. And so what we're teaching them is great on the artist side, but we're not teaching them how to take care of themselves. Right. We're not teaching them how to set themselves up to be an entrepreneur because that's ultimately what you're going to be unless mm-hmm. you get scooped up into a bigger thing. And that's the part where it falls apart. They don't know how to claim their worth. They don't know how to charge properly. They don't know how to do a cost of doing business. And so they end up in this like circle of debt where they have to say yes to everything. And mm-hmm. the only way that you can be choosy about what you're taking is determining what route you want to go and not just spraying, praying and saying like, I'll be or do anything, mm-hmm. but having the space that says like, okay, this is how I set myself up to budget so that I don't have to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you. I haven't had a moment of education on that aside from no. smashing my face against the, against life and being like, okay, that I learned it. Now I will not never do that again. <laughs> She's like looking at QuickBooks and crying. Oh my God. <laughs> Signing up for QuickBooks. I had to have someone else sign me up for it. Cause I was like, I will do it, but it's just like those tiny minute tasks of like switching my license address and like doing these, doing my taxes. It's like, this makes me feel incompetent because the only person that has ever taught me how to do this is me. And I'm not good at this. <laughs> and how do you become good at it? You just like watch a hundred YouTube tutorials. Can you, are there YouTube yes. QuickBooks? Tu- okay. Interesting. Are there? I, I assume <laughs> there's gotta be, there's a fucking tutorial for everything at this uh, yeah, point. So yeah. if there's not like how to self account there, there's gotta be. Then we should make it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I wonder if like QuickBooks has their own like YouTube like YouTube page. They probably do. There's gotta be. <laughs> it's like how to do it, like screen grabs the whole time. Oh, I'm sure they have something. <laughs> I wonder what are like obscure products that also have their own YouTube account at this point. I'm like, do Q-tips have a, a YouTube account? Yeah. Like, <laughs> does toilet paper? Does Charmin have a YouTube account? I feel like they would. They probably do for like commercials. This you could probably look at all their commercials. This is true. Right. <laughs> Does Charmin have one? It's like, what has, I, I don't know. Like the more that I shoot, like, uh, I still shoot a lot of fitness, but I shoot more, um, like health practitioners. So shoot mm. osteopaths, naturopaths, and mm-hmm. people that I feel like actually have valuable information. But when I started doing it, I was like, why do you need an online presence? 
And now I'm like, of course you need an online presence. Mm-hmm. But it kind of started blowing my mind being like, a doctor has to market? That's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But that's how much misinformation, that's how much noise and garbage is out there. Yeah, everyone's got to do it. All right. Yeah, especially for private practice probably, right? Yeah. Not. Um, yeah, well, government is government. Yeah, yeah, but like, I mean, cosmetology cosmetologist was I going to say cosmetics like surgeons and stuff for sure oh totally yeah yeah something that I found very helpful on Instagram which I'm like happy but also speaking to that is like therapists on Instagram now (laughs) I am like I think it was in August I was like I'm no longer following any fitness accounts and I am making up for that by following all of the therapists like look at my feed it's just like 25 like holistic psychologists and like a therapist and like no like sweat influencers I'm done with that bullshit yeah made yeah. like a very clear decision one day it's like this is not making me feel good this is making me feel good yeah 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 I stopped following accounts that make me want to buy things and I stopped following like healthy fitness accounts as well I just like can't it's like so it makes you feel so bad or bad when you open it up Mm-hmm. Just like awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we've been talking about, you know, Instagram and stuff a lot. Have you, how do you deal with like trolly comments? I don't know what I've been doing where I am immune to them. <gasps> I have oh. received one unsolicited dick pic in my entire life. Uh, I don't get it. I don't have people doing that. I don't know if it's because the shadow ban is there. And so my reach is a little bit limited to people that have already opt in, opted mm-hmm. into my audience. But I, I've had, I had one somewhat trolly comment on a photo that was of me doming us up basically. Like it was very, very aggressive. And I was talking about like the ideas of femininity and masculinity and like made some reference to like men getting pegged. And they just, like, had a fight about anatomy with me, where I was like, yeah, like, the male G-spot, like, you're missing out, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Something, like, a lot more eloquent than the way I just said it. And they're like, actually, it's not there. I'm like, <laughs> actually, it is. And if you're not enjoying it, I feel sorry for you. And we just kind of had a back and forth about it. But aside from that, I don't know if I just threaten properly or sound like I will speak circles around you until you can't take it, which I will. Uh-huh. I don't get it. You've never had anything, eh? No. Nope. Besides your, aside from my own family, family. <laughs> literally, that was that was the most aggressive online encounter I've ever had. Right, and that's so. I mean, there's something just like so. Family is hard. Family's so hard. Oh yeah, yeah. That's where all of my therapy money going is going right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, family, you love them, but they'll fuck you up. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really really hard. I think sometimes with mm-hmm. family and art practice and. Especially if they don't get your art. Yeah. Or if you're like a visual art or I feel like. Or if they're not in the arts at all. Yeah. 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 None of my family is in the arts. And it's very, I find it very hard sometimes to tell certain people what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Because I have to constantly remind them. Like every time they talk to me, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, you know, I'm like still doing the podcast and like Gal Pals is doing things. And they're like, what? And I'm like, cool. So this thing that I've been doing for four years. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I have the same conversation with you about every time it's just like not going in yeah. and like being processed because it's yeah. not important to you maybe. I and then their know. next question is like, well, how do you make money? I'm like, cool. So this is where this conversation is going to stop because that's relevant. True. Yeah. yeah. But also like, do you feel like if you were like somebody that you were working in a bank or you were like working as an assistant to someone or you worked as like a secretary, 
Do you think someone will be like, so how do you, like, tell me exactly how much and how do you make your money? Right? No. Well, every two weeks I get paid. (laughs) It's, I don't understand why it's all of a sudden appropriate for them to ask questions like that because they feel like, because you're not making the money consistently, you know? I don't know. I think it's just ignorance. It's kind of like when, if, if you bring your gay friend home to your super conservative parents, they're like, so how does this go? (laughs) And it's, it's just exactly like that. They're like, how do you eat from drawing pictures or moving your body or whatever you do? It's like, well, it happens to be like actually one of the oldest professions right up there with sex work. That's how we all get along is like you actually need us for this right. whole experience to go forward. But go on and continue to tell yourself that you need more dentists. Yeah. <laughs> need more dentists. Like sure. all of those secure jobs where they're like, go be a teacher. I'm like, no one can be a teacher right now because you told us all to go be teachers. Yeah. And now we're all unemployed or all battling with each other to mm-hmm. say like, oh no, you need five years experience and a master's degree. You need seven years experience and a PhD. You need this. You need this. This person yep. doesn't exist up here. No, exactly. And so it's like, yeah, we all went off and had to make our own careers because this industry, this whole entire structure doesn't have room for us. It doesn't, doesn't fucking make sense. It's not working. And you're all miserable. We don't want to be you. It's true. Fucking normie norms, man. Right? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get up and go to work at nine. No, it's no. true. I'm going to do it from my bed and my computer. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> Very true. Um, in your, I want to jump into what you told us in the email about dealing with a chronic illness and mm-hmm. um, a physical job. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. What it is and how it affects you? Sure. Uh, so it's been something that's uh, lifelong. Right now I'm going through the diagnostic process for EDS, which is Ayers-Danlos Syndrome. And it's a connective tissue disorder that affects uh, my collagen and my soft tissues. So my joints, my eyes, my stomach, my heart, all of the things can necessarily be affected by it. Um, it's something that has affected me my entire life, but I've only in the last two years found out like all of these issues, my stomach issues, my mental health issues, my physical issues, my pain issues are actually one thing. Mm. And so, uh, two years ago, uh, it was after I did another series of workshops that I was modeling for. And I had like back to back to back where I was just like nine hours bending naked. Like you're just back is crippled. And I thought that I threw my back out and I was okay. It's like things happen. I've slipped a disc before and just started trying to rehab it. And it just started getting worse. And it was like, I was deconditioning at this really, really quickly, quick rate. And I couldn't figure it out. And a friend of mine whose dad is a geneticist and we've known each other for quite a while. He's, uh, he's like, have you ever been tested for this? I was like, I don't even really know what that is. And he's like, well, when my dad brings kids in and they think they have this, his first question is, can you do any party tricks with your body? And I was like, Dislocating things, exactly. things out. Yeah, yeah. And so I have a ton of party tricks. <laughs> and so he's like, maybe this is something that you should think about. And then it's, he set me up with like a lunch date with uh, his ex-girlfriend who happened to have this. And this girl shows up and she's my age and she's got two mobility aids. She's got a cane. She, her knees are braced. She's Oof. like just so thin. So like no muscle tone to her body whatsoever. And we sat down and we had this like four hour, really intense lunch where we just talked about our shared experiences from childhood. And I'm like, Oh God, this is too close to like not Mm -hmm. be the case. And so getting hit with this where all of a sudden it's like the light bulb finally goes on and the light bulb is terrifying. And 
they kind of started referring to it as a death sentence of like, you will slowly decondition until like you don't have any muscle tone. And then like you could go blind and your heart could give out and all of this other shit can happen because it can affect pretty much anything. And it's a different presentation in every person. So they call it the zebra disease. So there's no through line as to like how to deal with it. And so the first way that it affected me is I got insanely depressed and I just started telling myself I'm sick. I'm compromised. I can't do this. This is making me worse. My job is making me worse. And I went into a hole and last winter was probably the deepest my depression had ever been to the point that I started really like intense, having intense angoraphobia where I, I stopped going outside. I stopped sleeping. I started really abusing cannabis to the point that I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. People like, I just learned that I'm disabled and I don't know how to continue with this job mm-hmm. until I had a couple good friends in the health and wellness community come up to me and kind of be like, what if you just stopped being sorry for yourself? What if you just shut the fuck up and tried figure this out? And so I started actually trying to go down different routes because Western medicine basically said you can go through the diagnostic process, which includes getting an echo for your heart, um, getting an eye test, testing all of the soft tissues, and then getting a biopsy. I'm on the list for the biopsy. The wait time is anywhere between 16 to 24 months. So that tells me a lot in the meantime. And all that really amounts to is I get access to the pain clinic. So all of this to say I could, I could have the label and the only thing they'll give me is opiates. They won't give me rehab. They won't really be able to do anything for it. The prognosis wouldn't change. So I You'll was like, have the potential to be yeah, addicted. To, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Toby, it's great. I hate that that is, that's an issue. So yep. They can't like say like, we're in, we have an opioid crisis. And then also, but here are opioids and they're also very cheap. Yeah. And it's easier to just medicate than to fix the actual problem. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it just, it seemed super bleak. And then mm. I started digging really, really deeply into the holistic hole. And I found a couple practitioners actually off of Instagram that started mm. to snowball and started to open my eyes to other ways that I could deal with this. And I'd slowly started to get a handle on it. But then the more that I got a handle on it and learned like how much the mental has to come in with the physical, with the diet, with the mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. I started to feel that ceiling happening where it's also kind of coinciding with age where I went really hard in my career and busted my fucking body for years, probably like between 20 and 24. Like we all do where I'm just like, I'm invincible. I'm going to climb a mountain with 40 pounds of gear on my back. I've never trained for this. I'm going to be fine. I don't need to sleep. Exactly. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm coming back into this depression and I'm like, okay, I'm going to start shooting again. And I'm taking my eight hour days and they're just annihilating me. And my eight hour days end in my shoulders dislocating and, end in me not being able to walk up the stairs or like my knees buckling and all of this other shit happening where I'm like the stress that's been placed on my body now coupled with the fact that it's just getting older and hormones are changing. It's not handling it the same. And so mm-hmm. I had to really, really sit with this and go like, do do I want to do this? Do I want to be in the commercial world? Do I want to be this photographer that's working 16 hour days? Do I want this? Like, can I go further down this road? And I kind of had to say, no, I'm, there's no way that that's going to be sustainable for me. I can barely carry my backpack without assistance for longer than four hours. And so I had to really think about what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? And so thankfully I had a nest egg saved up and I sat back for about five to six months and didn't take a lot. I took little things here and there to just to keep the books going, but didn't, didn't start new projects, didn't get involved in anything. Cause I was too scared. And 
now I feel like I'm finally getting a foothold back in it where the teaching stuff has become more lucrative for me, more consistent, and it's shown that there is a niche there for me to talk about kink. Um, and then that's been great because that's something I can do without the physical load and that's something I can continue to develop personally without having to take paying clients that also like drain you emotionally as well as drain you physically. And I'm stepping a little bit away from shooting primarily as my source of income and trying to position it back as the hobby so that I can fall back in love with it because I started to hate it and I started to blame it for what was going on. I was like, you're fucking my backup. You're doing this. And then I lost this outlet that I had and all of my work, I started looking at it being like, I don't like it. It looks the same because I've been living in the same circle, Mm -hmm. spinning the same wheels and not learning, which is what's going to change it the most. Right. And it just became stagnant. And so right now where I'm at with it is I'm slow, slowing it down in terms of the shoots that I'm taking. I'm not taking on new clients. I'm trying to service the clients that I do have that are ongoing. And I'm trying to go back more into my roots of content management and getting involved with companies that have messages that I really enjoy or products that I really support and right. deal more with the content deployment and with the strategy around it versus I'm going to do all of your photography. Right. So I'm trying to break into cannabis right now. I'm trying to work in edibles and I'm trying to do more of the back end so that I can still shoot and love it. And just like, I just want to shoot naked ladies in the woods pretty much and be one occasionally (laughs) and have it go back to that place of passion so that if I do want to pick it up later in life, I can, and it'll have new legs, but I I'm not going to live in the commercial world. I'm not going to compete with the people here that can be able to go back to back to back and have six shoots in a day. I have to have one and then decompress for two fucking days and do a sauna and do a cold bath and go to therapy and do 90 minutes of yoga and loves like five fucking hours of recovery for four hours of work is insane. Uh, Yeah, we have, I think that in Canada and I'm like very responsible for this as well. It's just, we have like an addiction to like bigger, more, working harder, working more, working more hours, doing this all the time. And I think when you talk about like how you could, like going back into those 16 hour days, you had to like reevaluate would have been so challenging. Cause I'm sure when you were like 21, you would have been like, all I want to do is work 16 hour days and shoot as much as content as I possibly can. And it means I'm working. So it means I'm successful. And I think having to reevaluate that would have been like that it's in itself would have been challenging. Like having to come to the conclusion that that's no longer what you want anymore. Yeah. Would be very hard. Yeah. Cause it's the way in we play, place our worth. <clears throat> I have accomplished this. Therefore I am this. Mm-hmm. If I'm not accomplishing things, therefore I'm nothing. And then right. No one makes anything good when you feel like you're shit. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, I, I spent a fuck ton of time and money in therapy being like, I refuse to stay in this hole, but I'm very deep into this hole. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of thankful for the experience because it did really show me like, it's important to have goals and dreams that aren't, aren't accolade based, that are energetic based, that are community based, that are things that are actually feeding our human experience, not just our wallets and not just our accolades, I guess. Mm -hmm. Not just padding your resume. Exactly. With more and more things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now I have so much to think about. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Not needing to like shut the conversation down there. I was just like, oh, like spiraling into my own body. (laughs) It's good. I have a habit of causing like bipartisan existential crises when I'm around people where I'm like, have you considered this in your own reality? Interesting. You haven't. Have fun with this one. No, I'm also just like going to get my period any minute now. So just like everything is sensitive. (laughs) That's fair. 
including my emotions. Yeah. It's also raining. We have a lot of pressure working against us. Yes. It's a little like dim lighted in my eyes. They're very like this. Um, how long did it take you to work through this idea that you're going to move your photography in a different direction and teach more? Um, rather than be behind the camera all the time. It took me a year. Mm -hmm. Um, I, at the time I thought like I needed to build a team around me and I thought maybe I'll go more of like a niche agency route. And so I brought on a graphic designer. I brought on a ghostwriter and I started trying to develop my digital products. I brought in a business manager and I was like, I, I'm going to spend my money. I'm going to bring these people around me and they're going to help me restructure this. And it took a year of basically throwing money at the wall in that experiment to learn that when you're an entrepreneur and when you're doing this yourself, like you have to do it yourself. No one's going to care to the same degree that you are. And so I tried to buy my way out of this. Mm -hmm. And then once that didn't really work in the way that I wanted it to, I realized I have to do this myself. Right. So I think that was like the second stage of acceptance, which is where I'm at now, where I'm self-scheduling and actually like saying, I can't, I can't take work while I'm trying to rebuild. And so I have to build that up so that I can stop working. And then I have to shut the fucking anxiety (laughs) off where I'm going, you wanted three months off. If you don't fucking take them, this was pointless. Yeah. 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 Um, we have to ask you, is being an artist fucking killing you? Technically I thought it was. Uh, and then I realized it was my subconscious that was fucking killing me, (laughs) but it was my subconscious through my art that was fucking killing me. So in a roundabout answer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for everything today. Do you want to lead us out today? Oh my God. I never do this. Yeah. Lead us Mm. out. I always lead us out, but um, if you want to find you, where do they find you? Uh, hopefully by the time this is out, they can still find me on Instagram, which is, uh, Taylor Oaks productions with an S you got to type the whole thing. Uh, I am a baby on Twitter, but I'm starting there at tiny Taylor Oaks and you can find all of my blogs and strange photos and workshops on my website, uh, which is TaylorOaksProductions.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Uh, thanks for living listening, everyone. Please follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. If you also want to, we also have a Patreon. You should mm. get on it. Everybody go to Patreon and yeah. support people. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you.